Today we're going to be talking about Mythbusters. Anybody here ever watched the show Mythbusters, right? It was uh, on the Discovery Channel. I think it ran for about 10 years, maybe longer than that. It was based in San Francisco, and there was a couple of special effects guys. Who's, what was their names? Anybody know? Jamie and Adam, and they you would use elements or parts of the scientific uh, method to uh, test the validity of some of the claims that were out there, rumors, myths, movie scenes, things that they saw on the news, uh, adages, cultural sayings, internet videos, uh, and they would run these tests to see if they were true or not. Now, all of us have heard the saying, pretty much, that uh, something's as easy as shooting fish in a barrel. So they actually set this thing up. They put some fish in a barrel, and they were going to see how easy it was. And the, the truth of the matter was is they didn't actually, they couldn't actually connect a bullet with a fish, even if though it was in a barrel. So it wasn't easy at all. I think they, some of them died from the shockwave. But none of them actually got hit with a bullet. So it wasn't easy to do. Uh, in fact, it was, you could say that it was impossible to do. There's another saying out there that says, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. So they wanted to scientifically study that. They bring in a dog trainer, and they bring in two uh, elderly pups, you know, with the gray and white muzzles. And they showed them how to train them. They tried to train them for this whole week. And then at the very end of the week, you know what they found? You could teach an old dog, new tricks. So there's all these kind of false assumptions and rumors and different things that we have. And you know that we have those in our church. And some of those that we have in our church, these false assumptions, actually will limit the effectiveness of our impact in the community. And this morning, if we will uncover these myths, if we're going to go ahead and we're going to test these things out, three of them, uh, this morning, and if we'll test them out, if we'll expose them, and in their place, we'll live from biblical truth and be released, and then we will be released into the mission and the purposes that God has for our lives. So you guys ready to do some myth busting this morning? All right. And we're going to like attack three of these. And the first one is, is that ministry, or at least important ministry, only happens at a church or on a mission trip. You guys ever figured that out? Like, it only happens when we're at church, and it only happens on a mission trip. Uh, and maybe even the requirement is it has to be to a third world country, right? And then we know, like, important, amazing, powerful things happen. But last week at our vision meeting, we discussed a lot of different various ways that we could increase our impact here locally in, in the world around us. Our mission here is uh, to change lives that change the world. So we looked at different ways. We could help people that were victims of trafficking or racism, or we could help out couples that found out that they had an unplanned pregnancy and help them carry it through and be there for uh, the mom and the dad afterwards that we could start maybe some after-school creative groups, that we could help out uh, missions, some homeschoolers, that we could assist and lift people up that are homeless and help them out. But all of these things that we looked at, we discussed the, the possibility, just the possibility, that spreading the gospel and building the kingdom might actually be best accomplished in situations other than bringing somebody to church 
on a Sunday morning. Now, bringing somebody to church on a Sunday morning is definitely part of uh, the mission, right? We work very, very hard to make this a safe place that you can bring your friends and your coworkers, uh, homeless people that you meet, that they will come here, that they will feel safe, that they will feel accepted, they will encounter uh, God, and they will be blessed uh, in this place. So that's a very, very important part of it. But we, want, we looked at the fact that actually mission could be and is really much bigger than bringing people here on Sunday mornings. Amen? So we're going to look at this. We're going to test this uh, thing out. So I have a question for you all. Uh, how many here are in full-time ministry? Uh, okay. Keep going. Richie. Raise your hand. Bill, raise your hand. Everybody? Everybody here? Okay. Sergey? How many here are in full-time ministry? Raise your hands. Every single person. Okay, now that's a pretty bold claim, but I want to tell you that you are in full-time ministry. You might say, well, I... You know, I don't, I don't have the collar. I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a homemaker. I'm a, I'm, I do homeschooling. I'm a student in college. God gave me this job. I've got a career. All of these things are true, but I want to tell you that God didn't give you those things to take you out of ministry. He gave you those things to put you into full-time ministry. You aren't just Uh, a banker that goes to church. You are a missionary that is sent into the financial mission field. You aren't a teacher that happens to be a Christian. You are God's salt and light into the educational system. And we can go on and on, but the truth is, is that we are ambassadors of Christ. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this. says, So we are Christ's ambassadors. Okay, so that's pretty straightforward. I don't even need to break that down very far, do I? All right, God is making his appeal through us, and we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Now, ambassadors, they're all about restoring relationships between uh, countries. They're trying to make things right between two parties. And I want to tell you that we have the same thing, only our thing is that we are trying to connect people to God through Jesus Christ. But we are ambassadors everywhere we go. You know that everywhere that Jesus went, there was ministry. It wasn't just when he was at the synagogue, and it wasn't just at the, the, the homes or the small groups that he was at. Jesus would go to a wedding, and what happens? Yeah, his first miracle. Record, well, first recorded miracle anyway. Yeah, he's blessing everywhere he goes. He's at the water cooler. They got the water coolers at work. Of course, nowadays everybody's got like just their own bottles and everybody wants to put fruit in one and, you know, sift it through the next and add ions to one. So now you can't even have like just the water cooler. But that used to be a place where everybody, everybody would hang out at, at the workplace. Well, Jesus was on the road, and he comes up to this drinking well, 
Or people would put drinking water, pull drinking water in the heat of the day, and there's a woman there, and right at the drinking well, he begins to minister to this lady, changes her life, gives her a, a message of knowledge, convinces her that he is the Messiah. She goes back, she tells her whole village, and even though this lady is, you know, the town, uh, she's just like an, a, a serial adulterer. She is just the lowest of the lowest of the low in the whole village, and she ends up, God, Jesus uses her to save a whole entire village in Samaria. But that happened at a drinking. I mean, that could have been like at Starbucks, at the drinking hole there. Right? Whenever he was traveling, Jesus could be at a dinner party. And at the dinner party, he was, you know, miracles could happen. The good news was spread. The kingdom was built everywhere he went. When in Mark 6, it says that he was in the marketplaces, and everybody was bringing their friends to the marketplace. So even, yeah, at Bank of America headquarters, even at Trade and Tryon, those places, people were just bringing their friends. Everywhere that Jesus went, ministry was happening. He could go out and take some little kid's sack lunch, And have a picnic, and in that picnic, he could feed multitudes. He could feed thousands everywhere. It wasn't at the synagogue, and it wasn't just in people's homes. Everywhere. When we go on the Love Life uh, Charlotte Walks, which we will, uh, that's starting up again, and we are headed out, I think, in the third week. We're in the third week. I believe it's in the third week in March. We're headed out. And I want to tell you, that happens in a business park. One of the most amazing things. It doesn't have to happen in a church. Wherever we go, there can be ministry. Now, the truth is, is God is the one who blesses. God is the one who saves. God is the one who heals. God is the one that restores and strengthens. Yet, I want to tell you this. He uses people just like you, just like the person sitting next to you, to the left, to the right, behind you, in front of you. He uses everyday people. And he does it all the time, every day, all around the earth. It doesn't have to be at church on Sundays. So, you all, if you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you are in full-time ministry. This is the mindset that we have to carry. And I'm going to show you. We're going to test this one out a little bit more. I can show you that I believe that Jesus Christ had that expectancy that we would be his hands and feet. So, uh, ministry. Let's see. uh, Myth buster. Let's go after myth number two. And that is, important ministry is only done by those with titles or uh, initials or collars um, on their thing, and this is the way it happens, right? So we're just going to go after this one and bust it, right? Bust this thing. So let me ask everybody again. Here's another question. This is where you guys all come in. Think about this. Who here in the room has the qualifications of a minister? Raise them up. Everybody in this room has the qualifications of a minister. Now, I mean, that's going to be kind of hard to wrap your mind around, but by the time we're finished, 
we're going to like deal with this myth because it, it holds back the mission of the church. It's never supposed to happen between one or two people. That's why when you, when you come to New Song on a Sunday, it's not just one person doing all of the talking. We have a lot of people that have a lot to give. That's why we try to support everything that if you come and you say you have an idea, and we're going we're gonna to try to make it work. But here's, here's why I know that, and here's why I'm saying I, we're going to bust that myth, is you know that Jesus started out with 12. And honestly, uh, the 12 that he picked, I, can, I don't know if I would have picked the same 12. I mean, I would probably be looking for the seminary graduates, right, the priests, the worship leaders, the pastors, somebody around in the community, at least somebody that had led a small group at some point in time, but I'm probably not going to pick who he picks. He picks uh, a few fishermen, right? Picks a few fishermen, picks a few tradespeople, and it's kind of hard to tell what the other ones did, but that was the people that he picked. And he, he takes these 12, he does life with them, he mentors them, and then he sends them out. And here's what they found when they went on their first mission trip. And this is when Jesus is not physically with them, that they could go out and they could do exactly what Jesus did. Fishermen and tradespeople. So you might be thinking, well, that makes sense. They were the 12. They were the chosen. Most of them became the apostles. So I can easily get there in my mind that, yes, that even if Jesus isn't physically there, they can do uh, the ministry of Christ. Well, then let's, let's kind of ramp it up. We see that later on in his ministry that Jesus does the same thing with another 12. Actually, it was six 12, six dozen, 72 people. He does the same thing. He's living life with them, building into their lives, and they go out on a mission trip. You know what they found out? They could do, even though Jesus wasn't physically present, that they could do the same things that Jesus was doing. They could continue the mission of Jesus. And then Jesus, now so we're going for 12, now we're going to 72. Uh, I don't have time to go through the scripture references, but you can look it up. Like Jesus sends out the, the 12, Jesus sends out the 72, and you can read about the accounts yourself. But then Jesus makes this, this seemingly crazy, insane statement in John chapter 14, verse 12. And he says this, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. Whoa. 12, 72, and now we find ourselves in a place where all who believe. Now, Jesus is doing life. We are doing life with Jesus. And he just says, all who believe will do the works. They'll continue my ministry and even do greater things. Now, I know there's a big debate over what exactly he means by that. So let's just put some of the debate to, to rest. And that is, you aren't going to do anything greater than raise somebody from the dead. S straight up. You're not going to top that one in the least little bit. But the, the greater works, I want to tell you that what Jesus is saying is for those that will believe in him, you are going to do some stinking amazing things. Everybody in this room, because you believe in Christ, you have the ability to do some amazing things and impact the world around you. 
important things, things of eternal consequences. And I want to tell you that the time, I believe that when Jesus is talking about that, that you will do even greater works, that the time of even greater works is coming upon us. It is right now. The birth rate is slowing down, and they predict, and these are people that get paid uh, tons and tons of money, the best minds, strategists in, on the planet. A lot of them work for banks and different government organizations. But they predict that the population of the world is going to actually peak at about 2050, and then it's going to tail off. So I want to talk about the generation that we have, the generation uh, Jake. Uh, Nick, you guys are in this. David, Michaela, if you're in your 20s, I want to tell you that you have the greatest opportunity that the mission field will be larger for you than it has been for any generation before uh, ever on this earth, and you will have the largest mission field of any generation that will ever come after you guys. Even the greater work. So spiritually, you can do the greater work just because the harvest field is going to be like that. And we are entering into that season right now. So I'm saying that we're all called to ministry. And let's look, let's look at what qualifies us to be uh, ministers. Okay, why, why would Pastor Jeff say that everybody in the room who believes in Jesus is qualified for ministry. Well, let's look at We're going to pull this right out of uh, Scripture so we know it's not opinion. Uh, Genesis chapter 1. This is right from the origin, the Genesis. Uh, chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. It says, So God created human beings in his image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals scurry that scurry along the ground. So you can see here, he says, uh, God does this creation. He creates human beings. He blesses them. And the first thing that comes out of his mouth, the, the thing that however else you are blessed in life, the first thing he says is he gives us a mission. He gives them a mission. He blessed them and said, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky. Govern. So right from the very beginning, part of the blessing of God, and we have to see, sometimes we can see outreach or mission or ministry. We can see it as something that we've, this burden that we just have to strap to our back, add to an already, like, insanely busy life, but I want to tell you that that mission is part of our DNA. It's how we were created, and it's part of every blessing that we have comes through there. I can tell you the story of Abraham, that blessings were going to come through his life, but it says that those blessings happened as he went. It wasn't as he stayed in the same place, but as he believed God, as he moved out, blessings flowed through his life to all of the nations that were told. Ephesians 2.10, uh, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. For we are God's workmanship. Again, I believe he's referring right back to Genesis 26 and 27, 28, when he says this, we are God's workmanship. He's talking about when, when we are formed, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Do you see it? That, that being missional is part of our DNA at the very, very core of who we are is mission. So I, I don't think that God would set us up. Some, some of us might have been 
with DNA and the traits. Some of us might have red hair. Some of us uh, might be tall. Some of us might be thin, blue eyes, brown eyes, all, all of that. But every single believer in here has in their DNA mission. So mission is inside of us. Mission is part of our DNA. Our spiritual DNA is what I'm talking about, right? And it is Jesus Christ that makes mission and ministry a reality in our life, right? So we have it built in. Well, how do I really fully engage? I want to tell you the answer is found in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1 through 3 says this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because... Why? We are united with Christ. So it's, it's our unity with Christ that gives us access to these spiritual gifts. <clears throat> In Christ, we have this spiritual uh, toolkit, I'm, I'm going to call it, just for demonstration purposes, <clears throat> or illustration purposes, I guess. But we don't have to ask for the ability to do these things. We have already been given it. When we said yes to Jesus, there was a tool bag that we were given, a spiritual blessings. And by faith, we put these spiritual blessings into action to accomplish the plans and the purposes of God. And I want to tell you that these tools that we have in this toolbox that we got when we said yes to Christ, these aren't some little rusty old bent-up uh, hammers or some little kid's plastic tic-tac uh, upholstery hammer or something like that. I want to tell you, these are power tools. Right? 20-volt lithium-ion impact drivers that we have. And all we have to do is reach into the bag and pull them up and by faith that we can help out. We're going to talk about that. But I want to say this, that if Jesus is in our lives, we are enabled directly from heaven to be able to minister powerfully in every situation, every circumstance in life, regardless of our spiritual maturity or regardless of how much training that we've had. That toolkit. All right, so I just said something, right? Regardless of our level of spiritual maturity or our training. So let's go after myth number three. And that ministry happens, only happens, after a lot of training. You guys ever heard that? Nope, can't go out yet. Can't go out yet. There's been times in the church where, you know, it was only if you had a, a doctorate degree or a master's degree that they would even send you out for any type of work in the least bit. <clears throat> but first of all, let me say, before we go after this, that I believe in training. I went to university for the first time, uh, age 43. I got uh, degrees in, in ministry, theology. I got a degree in music. And so I, I'm in, enrolled in a leadership development class through Bethel uh, Church right now. And I am a firm believer. I always will uh, be a learner in, in all the circumstances. So I'll, I'm not trying to like put this thing off to the side, right? So if somebody says, Pastor Jeff says, I don't need to do any training or pay any attention to that. Tell him, no, that's not what he said. But here's what <clears throat> I am saying. <clears throat> if you have your Bibles, open them to Mark chapter five. <clears throat> it's a story. Jesus is crossing a lake. He gets out and... Uh, there's a guy there that's pretty gnarly, to put it mildly. 
Mark 5, we're going to start in verse 2. It says, when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out of the tombs to meet him. Nice. That's the welcoming party that he gets. The man lived in burial caves. Creepy, creepy, creepy. And could no longer be restrained even with a chain. So how scary is that? You can't get close to this guy. Whenever he was put in chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him, and day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. And if we read from other accounts of the Bible, uh, other verses in the, in the same book here, we'll find <clears throat> that this guy not only had, uh, was possessed by an evil spirit, he was possessed by thousands and thousands of evil spirits. All right, everywhere he went, he got a group discount. They called, anyway, but, but seriously, they called him legions. The other thing it tells us, and the other thing is that he is totally insane, which it sort of adds up, right, with the other description. But specifically, it says that he was insane and that he was naked. Now, I want to tell you something. If we had a bunch of people applying for outreach ministry here at New Song, this is not going to be the guy that I'm going to pick in the least little bit, not even close. I am not going to take this man as he is and put him in the welcome tent at the Taba Walk on Saturday, April 29th that's coming up. <clears throat> But the fact is that Jesus comes and ministers to him, and he is healed completely. He is restored physically. He is restored spiritually. He is restored emotionally. He is restored uh, relationally. In every which way that this a person could be restored and redeemed, this guy is restored and redeemed, and it happens in a moment. Naturally, when this happens for the guy, he's asking Jesus. Jesus is ready to take off and leave. And the guy says, no, 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 Lord. Take me uh, along. I want to go with you. And then listen to Jesus' response here. This is in the same chapter, Mark 5, verses 19 through 20. He says, no, go home to your family and tell them everything that the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. When's the last time you did that with one of your relatives, that you went and said, uh, you can't believe the things that Jesus is doing for me and all the mercy that you've experienced. So the man started off to visit the ten towns, the Decapolis in that, of that region, and he began to proclaim the great things that Jesus had done for him, and everybody was amazed at what Jesus had, had done for him. So you see how it is? This guy, he hadn't been through Billy Graham's four, he didn't know the four spiritual laws. He hasn't been to Billy Graham Institute. Well, those are all great things, the evangelical training. All he knows is that he has encountered the living God, Jesus Christ, and his life is radically changed forever. That's all he knows. I don't even know if he knew any scripture verses. You know, training is good, but I don't think Jesus wasn't much concerned that this guy didn't have any training. 
He was willing to send somebody out because he knew that the change in this guy's life was real and that if this guy went out and told him of the told people of the mercy and the blessings and the healing that he and the salvation that he had received that he would be faithful to give God the glory. So that's the requirement that your life is truly changed and that if when you go out and tell people about that change that you do it to bring God the glory. And I want to tell you this that if Jesus hasn't really touched you if you really hasn't been, if you really haven't been transformed by the teachings of Christ, there's really no amount of training that's going to put power into your story. Jesus changed me. The same blind guy, like, how did you get healed? Uh, I don't know. All I can tell you is I once was blind, but I now can see. Jesus touched me, and my life is completely and utterly different from that point forward. Okay, so if this guy's qualified and you said yes to Jesus, if he's done something in your life and transformed you, you are qualified for ministry. Isn't that great to know? Okay, well, let's look at it. One of our values, one of our values at New Song is being uh, missional. Uh, So let me read the value. You can find our values on on the webpage, but it says this, uh, missional. We are all created for mission to, okay, so we're going to go after these, uh, these myth busters right here. And you'll see that, that this mission statement is, is, has been carefully crafted to, to work against the myths or the, the false assumptions that we can make in the church. We are all created for mission to proclaim and demonstrate the good news of Jesus in our day-to-day lives and to consistently lead other people to God encounters. And we desire to bring Jesus to people. And we notice here that we are all created for mission. That's one of the, the, the uh, myths we just busted. Uh, to demonstrate the good news. This is we just reach into the bag, we pull uh, this, uh, the heavenly gift that we have out, and we minister to people. Day-to-day lives, and our day-to-day lives, and that means anytime, all the time, anywhere, by anyone, and also that we're not bringing people to Jesus, so it, it's good that you bring people here on, on Sunday morning, but what our mission statement is saying, that we are taking Jesus to people, that it has to happen outside of these four walls, that that is our value. So how does that look practically? It may be, and you may be thinking, golly, well, how am I going to like study and get all the, the sharing this down and, and all this? I want to tell you, it, it, don't go there. Just trust by faith that if you believe in Christ, if he's changed your life, just tell people about that. And then by faith, reach down in the toolkit that he's given you. We'll talk about that. But here's what it might look like for you. It might be that instead of the next time you keep seeing your neighbor, the person across the street, the new person on the block uh, walking out, that the next time they walk out, you take them a plate of brownies and find out something about them and pray for them. The next time that you get to your computer, Right, because you know you're in, you're a, a full time missionary. You're fully equipped. Go ahead and send uh, an email out or an instant message or a, a Facebook thing and bless somebody with it. Encourage them with it. Let them know that you're praying for them. Here's another one that might be kind of like strange, but when you get to a gas station, rather than just do the pay at the pump thing, actually walk into the gas station, walk up to your local business person. And just say, hi, my name's Jeff. We're glad you guys are here. And, you know, how, what do you guys, what's need? What are the challenges that you're facing? 
you know, ask them if they've ever thought about church. I don't know what it is, but again, that's where you're just led by the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? It can be that, so these are the types of things that I'm saying, how it can work out in our day-to-day lives. This is how I'm saying that we can do it, uh, ministry, all the time, everywhere, by every person here. So we're going to finish with some declarations, okay? You guys ready for this? All right, let's go ahead and let's stand. And if you need more convincing, uh, we'll have this message up in, a, in about a week or so. You can listen to it. You can study the accounts that I've uh, given you. I can send you uh, my notes. But here's, we want, here's what we're going to do. We're going to read these declarations. And again, these are all based on Scripture. This is not just my opinion, but I can see through the way Jesus did it with the 12 and the 72, when even though Jesus wasn't physically with them, and then he said, all who believe, that Jesus had an expectation that his ministry would be carried out today by you and by me, by our everyday people, and he does it through us all the time, every day, all over the world. Okay, so you guys ready for declaration number one? Okay, now I'll give you a chance to read it because I don't want you just like spouting out something that you don't really believe. Okay, bad accomplishes nothing. But if you believe this, I want to go ahead and we want to declare it all together. I am blessed with a mission. I have the ability and the permission to do important ministry anywhere, at any time, to anyone. All right, let's go to the second one. Again, I'll give you a chance to soak it in. Andre, if you could come up and we're going to respond in some worship. I want you to read it, process it. And if you're ready, go ahead and let's uh, read it together. It says, God sovereignly places me in places and situations to do important, amazing things for him. Amen. God sovereignly places me. If you think your day is just a random thing and the day just kind of happens to you, I want to tell you, that's not what Jesus paid for. That's not the the program. The program is the day doesn't happen to us. The thing is that Jesus creates and gives us jobs and puts us in situations and connects us with people so that we can happen to the day, right? The day doesn't just happen to us. We happen to the day. We aren't just uh, thermostats. And I don't know about you, sometimes I feel like I'm a... I'm a, a thermometer, right, in the, the crazy stuff that's, that's going on, in, you know, in, especially in our country. But I want to tell you that we are thermostats. We can set the spiritual temp, uh, temperature in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our customer bases, uh, soccer teams. I don't know what else I'm leaving off, but anywhere and everywhere, every part of life. You are qualified. You know, one time they asked Jesus, like, what's, what's the work of somebody that wants to follow you? And he says, hey, well, the work of somebody to follow me is, is to believe. So all of these things we're taking by faith because I want to tell you from what 
we have by some of our experiences is that we really can't do these things, but we are going to let the Word of God be the greatest influence in our lives, in our thinking. I love the story about the guy who, who set out, I don't know what his name is, but he set out to be rejected a hundred times in like 30 days. And he would ask people for like these just crazy things, like total stranger, I need to borrow a hundred bucks. All these things. But he just wanted to be, he didn't want to be, have fear in his life. He didn't want to reach out and, and be fearful to, to go for it in life. And he found out that once he went through that process that he wasn't afraid to do anything. Like he was immune to rejection. He was, re, he was immune to uh, how, what, what men and women thought of him. Anyway, let's, let's kind of soak on that word a bit. Let's go ahead and let's uh, worship him. <clears throat> and just pray that these spiritual gifts, these gifts that we've been given, that we're enabled directly from heaven to this ministry.